So welcome back to part two of this interview. Uh, Steve Foran, I'm so glad to have you back here talking about the intersection of your work and life. So how are you doing today? Doing very good. Thanks. Good to be back and look forward to our conversation today. Excellent, Steve. So work-life wellness is a term that uh, we've really tried to be using to replace work-life balance. And it means being well in all that you do in your work and everything else in your life. So what does that look like for you personally, Steve? Yeah, it, it's. I'm glad you defined it there because you must find everyone, even after you define it, we each have our own idea or understanding of what that means, don't we? Yes, we do. We ever each of us do. So I'll just kind of share mine. It, it's, um, you know, my office, the work I do is in my home. And over this last year, right? So it's just, um, I'm, I have the ability to not work if I don't want to. And I have the ability to work if I want to. And sometimes if I want to could just be from temptation. So what I've found over the last year is that it was, it, it's been harder for me to have boundaries between work and home. Because it's just this this feeling of need to always, if something's there, and you know, especially in the first three months of last year, a lot of my any of the speaking engagements that I had that were in in company events or at conferences, they just disappeared. And so you get in this mind, okay, I can't lose any. I got to get more work. So I felt that I had to have this availability all the time. Um, even more than I did before. And what I was finding, Laura, is that by the end of the days, I was physically exhausted. I've never been physically exhausted just from doing work. Like it was like I was run, like physically exhausted. And that probably lasted until maybe August. I don't know. It might might have been August. I, I don't feel that anymore. Uh, but through the winter, my work-life balance, it gets out of balance because I don't do many outdoor activities in the winter. So I, and this year we're not doing any traveling, very little traveling. So I'd say my work-life balance is a bit out of balance now, but as the spring is here, uh, yesterday it was 20 degrees in Halifax. Uh, I've been running a couple times this week. And so I get out more and I get more me time and I don't run first thing in the morning. I like to run somewhere between 11 o'clock in the morning and one o'clock in the afternoon, which is kind of work time. But I'm just saying that's important time for me. And if it's a rainy day, I'm a fair weather runner now. I'm, I'm not trying to win a personal best in any marathon. So uh, I won't, I'll take nice days. And so as the the time of season, I get a little better at it by giving more time for me. Well, that's, that's awesome. And I think it's a, a good lesson to us all to carve out that time for you whenever you're at your best. And I think that's one of the joys of flexible work and flexibility is to carve out certain times of day that work for you to be productive at work and to be producing wellness in your body, your mind, your soul, uh, all of it. So you're a great example of that. Running a well, marathon, on the other hand, I think that was crazy. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, thanks. You know, the, and more than one, thing, right? More than one. Yeah, it's I, never I, just I, one. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. What was your very best time? 
It was uh, three hours, 10 minutes, and 32 seconds. And uh, that, that qualified me for Boston in, uh, and I ran Boston in 1995. That is out, super outstanding. It, uh, well, get a load of this. At the race in Boston, um, I was probably in better shape, but it was a spring marathon and it was hot that day. So I was, 10 or 12 minutes slower at Boston when I ran Boston. And uh, in order, I just kind of said, well, how, what age classification would I had to been in to win, right? So I was 32 years old in the best shape of my entire life. And in order to win, I would have had to been in the women's over 65 division. <laughs> I remember that in your book, actually. That's in it's your like, book, too. <laughs> really? <laughs> Oh, those women. I think that's... <laughs> those 65 and over women. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying they're insane, but with great respect. <laughs> like, how do you... Yeah. Wow. So you told me about how, especially the first three months of the pandemic, you, you felt this intense pressure to bring in more work and always be available. And, and then it physically exhausted you, Steve. So can you tell me, you know... What's one other time when you've been challenged with your work-life wellness and, and how you address that? Because many people are struggling and if they can learn from an anecdote from your life, that would be great. Yeah, you know, the, you know, prob probably back last going when I was working in a, a organization and it, I was getting the Sunday night feeling. And so I wasn't engaged in my work. I was... You know, I, I was doing my work, but I wasn't, when I say engaged, I wasn't emotionally committed to what I was doing. And uh, I just, at that time, I got more reflective. Anyone who ran into me on the street, they would never know it. Because people were telling me, how come you're still so upbeat? And how are you doing this? I said, ah. It was a facade, really, it was. But it, um, I, I became more reflective and I have a spouse who just nudged me, you know, what, what, what is it that you do? This doesn't seem like you. Uh, and just began to have the conversations about leaving that organization to go somewhere else and having someone supportive to talk to. So that was maybe one of the things that, you know, um, that, that I did to help me at that time. This past year, I never stopped my gratitude practice. Uh, I think had I not had a gratitude practice that I have today, uh, if I didn't have that this time last year, I'm not sure what I would have felt like or been like. I, I was optimistic, hopeful, all those things. But at the end of the day, I was exhausted. And I was totally like, I would do whatever I could to keep you know the business, my work side going. Um, and the thing was like, because we couldn't go anywhere, it almost, I don't, it, it, it almost like it was a catalyst to keep doing it and not that that's the right reason to do it, but I know my gratitude practice definitely helped me in, in being able to reframe and make sense of the situation in a way that I was still, I was hopeful all through last year. And I still am. I'm very hopeful and optimistic about our future as a country, as a people, as humanity, um, I am too. I am too. And I really believe that gratitude practice 
plays into that. So, which feeds into my next question. Um, do you have any other recommendations for how your work in gratitude and your research uh, can help people's work-life wellness? So the ties between gratitude and work-life wellness. Yeah, I think the biggest tie that, you know, when we, when we see our life, like for me, I saw my life as a gift. And when you see something as a gift, how do you care for it? Like when you receive a gift, um, like my mom died eight years ago, just earlier this month. And just like three weeks ago, my brothers and sister and I, Aww. we divided up mom's jewelry. Right. Aww. So we just got around to doing that. Right. And so we were, had the, you know, very caring, intentional conversation about, well, I've got the jewelry over there. How do you think I want to care for that? I want to make sure my little grandson, Max, he's got something that he's going to be able to give to someone that is special in his life and our daughter. Like all these, when we see things as a gift, we care for them quite a bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so when, connection to work-life wellness, right? Um, when we can see our life as a gift and we can be grateful for whatever it is, the whole shoot match. And if you can, great. If you can't, st- like I said, start with wherever you can and then, and then grow it from there. And what, what we know through the research is that grateful people, they sleep more soundly. They, uh, they exercise more regularly. They have more social connections. You know, there's, you know, their heart conditions, uh, their lower risk factors for uh, heart disease and and diabetes, uh, greater resistance to viral infections. That study was done before COVID. So I'm not saying that you're going to have that, but so science hasn't totally figured out why by being grateful, you sleep more soundly or you exercise more regularly. They have some ideas. Um, the exact mechanism isn't totally figured out yet, but they think it has to do with you know the 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 ability that you uh, you delay gratification and you're m- more moderate in your approaches to things and you care for yourself better because of that. So that simple practice of just what what am I grateful for? And I what I would encourage you to do is ask yourself: Do I see my life? as a gift. And just ask yourself that question. And then if you can't, it's okay. Just continue to come back to that. How could, how might I see my life as a gift? Yeah, that that's a beautiful question. And I think meditation ties in as well. And I got introduced to the 21 days with Deepak Chopra, and it was a group that I was invited to on abundance and it was 21 days of abundance and we had to do it every day and it ties in great gratefulness uh, gratitude into there as well and that made a huge difference to me so much so that I've kept it up as a habit Um, and then so when I do my meditation every morning I will do my three gratitudes along with it. So I've just tacked it on. So that's good. I mean, I used to do some of that, but now I'm making it more regular. I think that's, it's super powerful. Trust me, it really is. This is to the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that Deepak app is really powerful too. It really is life altering. Um, So, And I don't get a cut from Deepak, by the way. <laughs> but I'd love to go to his retreat when the world opens up again. <laughs> um, how do you think organizations 
can play a better role to support people's wellness? You know, care for your people. Uh, spend time with them. Care about them as human beings. Um, you know, allow people to connect together at human at the, at the human level, the things that, you know, we were able to do when we were in the office together and we could talk about, Hey, the Canucks and the Oilers are playing this weekend, who you hoping for. Um, and, and to have those types of conversations, like now it can be harder. Cause if you've got 12, say your team is 12 and you come together on the, on the screen, on the Brady bunch screen, whatever you've got, it's hard for two people just to kind of have that conversation. But if we're in the office together and we're walking into a meeting, you and I, we can talk about the hockey game on the weekend or whatever it is, right? So to create the space to enable people to have those personal connections with each other, because um, you what comes out of that? It starts at hockey. And then we find about so-and-so's mother-in-law or whatever the case is. And people are there to support each other. So, you know, we spend so much time at work. I think it's important that people have those types of connections that, the, you know, that people they work with that understand more than just, oh, Steve's an engineer and he comes in and he's the project manager here. There's a lot more to Steve than just that or to Laura than just what she does is that. And so um, I, I think in terms of supporting work life, wellness um it's just an you know try to do more to enable those types of connections between your people i've, I've got i've got one client she schedules uh you know mini like you know with their team all over the region schedules mini like zoom calls with like two or three or four people at a time this isn't a team meeting let's just talk what are you thinking about and just doing it in small groups and she's found that it's just had a really big impact on people's morale. Uh, her sense of her, um, you know, availability, because, you know, typically she'd be going to visit the branches and they're not doing that. And if all you see them is once a month on some big call, it doesn't feel the same, right? And so she's doing that to create better connections with her team and, and finding it really, really helpful. That is great. And the company I work for now called Humans, which stands for human and performance as one clever word, um, they are doing something that I want to say it because I've seen the impact of it because I'm experiencing it. And what it is, is it's a fitness challenge and you get basically cubes for staying active and we're all on different ms teams channels and we're competing against other teams but they randomly mix you up with people in the organization and then uh, you anything you do if you walk for 15 minutes that's one cube if you go on an hour run that's four cubes <laughs> so that everyone's entering things and hiking and everyone's sharing what they're doing and sending photos on a hike and um, encouraging each other and it is lovely it is lovely so the colleagues there out in Quebec that I work with in Ontario and then here in Alberta we're just all sharing more getting to know each other more and staying more physically active some of us who have not as much before are doing it more and those of us who are already active it's just getting to know the others and encouraging and it's just a win-win-win yeah that sounds fantastic and you know the it, it's very simple too isn't it like the very simple things like things like gratitude exercise, like being, be, 
being active, but it, it it's 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 simple. It's not always easy when all these things are coming at us, and you feel like it's the easiest thing to knock off your agenda. It really is. At the end of the day, like back in March, April, May, like last year, June, at the end of the day, the last thing I wanted to do was to put on my running sneakers and go for a run. Right. I, I, des- I almost felt like I deserve, I'm gonna, it, Wednesday night, I'm going to have a glass of wine. Yeah. You, you... And nothing wrong with having a glass of wine on no, Wednesday. No, no, no. But your best hope would have been to do it earlier in the day, right? At 11. That would have been your best hope because I bet you would have got just as much done, if not more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's easy to Where say. Where were you last it? year? Where were you last year? For <laughs> um, this is a fun question. If you didn't have to sleep and you had the time back that you sleep, and I don't know how much you sleep on average, you can tell us, because that's always interesting to hear. But if you had that time back and you didn't need to sleep, uh, what would you do with that time? So I sleep somewhere seven to eight hours uh, a night. And uh, some nights I'll be up for two hours, but much less of that over the last while. And I'll tell you the listener that Laura sent me this question in advance. And so I had some prep time on it and I know she asked it to all her guests as well too. So I was expecting it at first, you know what I thought I wouldn't do anything different. I would just apportion my time the same way I do now. And then I said to myself, what a crock of baloney. I don't know if you guys, if that is that Nova Scotia or Atlantic Canadian thing, but really it's like, nah, who is there? Yeah. If I say that, you know what I'm saying? My life is absolutely perfect. That's what it's saying, right? So that's not it. Um, I'd spend more time with my queen. I would spend more time with my family. I would spend more time um, doing pod like being a guest on podcasts to be able to spread my message, but do it in a, cause I want to do things that are fun, but I want to do things that contribute and have meaning and make a difference in the world. And I would somehow divide that up. I don't know how I would divide it, Laura. So I, and I'm in, and maybe as an engineer, you're expecting me two hours here, three hours here, two hours, uh, but in some relative proportion, more of it would go towards uh, my family uh, at this point in my life. But yeah. So how do you make sense of that? Because I know you hear this from a lot of people. No, I think that is a a beautiful answer. I think you you nailed it. Um, for you, it's having more time with your family and your loved ones. So thank you for that. Um, and my last question is, if you could have one wish for a better world when it comes to work and life, people's work and lives, uh, what would it be? <sighs> I have been to a few professional sports games in my life. Not a lot, but I've been to a couple. And I see people at these games cheering and so excited and just over the top about a game they're watching. Uh, My hope would be that people would have that for their life in the work they do, in the families they're with, in the communities that they interact, that that same passion, the thing that gets them mad because the goalie let a puck or whatever, the same thing that that they're that passionate about their own life, not a, 
a game that they're that I, games are important. But that same thing, that would be my wish. Well, I think that gets back to the playground analogy. And you should be looking, if you're living your life in a, a way of uh, gratefulness and gratitude, then Mondays should be happy, right? Monday should be like any other day. It should be happy. And I actually had a tagline on my Mini Cooper that said, creating happier Mondays, <laughs> because I led a team of career psychologists at that time, and I had my car all decked out, creating happier Mondays. And I was driving around in a bright green Mini Cooper, and my license plate was, and still is, careers. <laughs> so, um, but now it's white. Now it's like a safer color. And yeah, so that's uh, a bit about my story. I believe Mondays can be happy if you're in the right fulfilling path. You can't. So you know what I mean when I say Sunday night feeling. You know exactly oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I, I really appreciate uh, this um, interview because we really explored work-life wellness and how even for a gratitude researcher and author and expert in gratitude, you really um, have to go back to your own practices and make sure that you don't get overwhelmed with the challenges like the early pandemic period and its impact on your business and how you need to make sure you take enough time for yourself. And I think that's the same for everyone. We are going to have crap happen. And in Steve's book, he talks about crap will happen. That's the one thing thing that's for sure in life. Crap will look different. It'll be different shapes, sizes. Sorry, that's a bad analogy, but <laughs> that's not a good analogy. But stuff happens that's difficult challenges will happen and if you can build your gratitude muscle then when it happens it's way easier to deal with it's still tough but it's way easier you're not going to as likely fall into a deep period of depression or inertia or demotivation demoralization etc and whether that's an unexpected layoff whether it's a death of a loved one being hit with a disease i mean all of these things life is challenging but if we can live with the gratitude and find the gratitude in every and every day, in some way, shape, or form, in every day, I think we will be better human beings, better families, better partners, better friends, etc. So thank you for bringing that message to the world, Steve. Thank you very much, Laura. Pleasure to be uh, on your show and uh, keep, up, keep up the really good work that you're doing. Thank you. And same goes to you. Take care and stay well. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.